close all this out. And once again, I said it five years ago, when no one else was believing for revival in this region, one person stood up and he said yes. And I love this phrase. It's from a song, but this phrase really hits my heart. It says, simple obedience changes history. And this person displayed simple obedience. And what we're seeing here is the obedience of one person. Like, I'm going to be honest, Danny Kang is Danny Kang because this person was obedient to the Lord and took me under his wings. And even the people that I impact, the people that our ministry impacts, the people that the leaders impact on an individual level is because of one person's obedience. And I say that because I just want to honor the person that who's going to come, who's going to come up, right? And so without further ado, can we all just stand to our feet? He doesn't like stuff like this, but can we stand to our feet and welcome up the founder and director of Pursuit NYC, <laughs> Pastor Samuel. Come on, let's give it up for him. Amen. If you could stay standing. Oh, that's kind of weird for me right now because it kind of feels like it's all about us. Some of you might be wondering, like, why is Venmo to at Sam Juan? Right? It's like, is he trying? It's because Venmo won't let you make a second account if you've already used your cell phone for an account, okay? That's, if you want to donate a cell phone, we'll take it, okay? But just so you don't think it's all about us. And, and with that being said, I want to take this moment while we're standing to fix our eyes back on Jesus. Can we do that for a moment? Just to center ourselves. I need to center myself. I never had to preach after I got blasted like that, you know? So I will. I don't know if I should invite him back, you know? Like, why I got to do that to me? But can we lift our hands to the Lord and just make it about Jesus? Say your own prayer. Say your own song. Whatever it is, let's just tell him how much we love him for a moment. And we'll get going from there. We love you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. God, tonight, this weekend, has been all about you. God, when has it ever not been about you? So thank you, God. Jesus, we just declare once again that it is all about you. But the truth is, when has it ever not been about you? So Lord, anoint this time. Do what you want to do. Speak to us. Ignite us. Have your way. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Give a hand and you may be seated. And tonight, I don't really have like a really like amazing message that's polished and like impressive or anything like that. And, and to be honest, I'm not even speaking last because I'm, I don't even think I'm, I'm the top five preacher in this room, you know? Like there's just so many amazing leaders and preachers here. But I believe God saves something last because it's what he wants to do in your lives, amen? So tonight, I, I don't really have a message, I mean, I do, <laughs> right? But I wanna just display my heart more than anything. So I might cry, you know, like, if you've been here all weekend, like, y'all see me cry like crazy, but that's not new, <laughs> if you know me, right? But more than giving a message, I just wanna display my heart. And I say this not in a prideful way or an arrogant way, but I say it because it's what God said to me. 
And I, I believe, and this is kind of weird to say, but I'm going to just say it in faith, and I believe you here because, you know, you already paid, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I believe I'm here, and I'm sharing this tonight because I believe I am a prophetic sign to this region. Why do I say that? Because I'm the last person anyone would think that God could use. God wants to use me because he was looking not for the best preacher, the best leader, but the weakest person he could use in this region. That's why I believe I'm assigned to this region. God was looking for the weakest person he could find, and he found me. I didn't find him. He found me. And I just want to share my heart for revival because I believe I'm supposed to speak it into an atmosphere so that you guys could get impregnated by the same thing that impregnated me, which is revival. And Danny, I think Danny was already living out the prophetic word that he's the voice because he stole like half my notes about this explaining revival, right? But that's what it's about. So I'm just going to read these verses real quick and you don't have to go there. I want to thank Deb because I feel extra anointed right now, right? But Habakkuk 3.2, you don't have to turn there because I don't know how much time we have, but I just want to say these things. And this is part of why I want revival. It says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. Other translations say revive them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. That's why I want revival, because I've heard the stories of what God used to do. But I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of hearing what God used to do. I want to see them with my own very eyes. I don't want to listen to Bible stories anymore. I want a testimony of my own of God doing impossible things. And why a prayer conference? Because if you look at revivals in the past, prayer and revival has always gone hand in hand. For the sake of time, I'm only going to share one story about revival that actually took place in this very city, New York City. Amen? In Fulton Street, uh, in, in downtown Manhattan, there was a revival that was birthed because this man by the name of Jeremiah Lamphere had this conviction to start a prayer meeting of businessmen. So in the 1800s, he sent out flyers, went to churches, visited pastors and said, hey, I'm doing this uh, weekly prayer meeting from noon to 1 p.m. to gather every single person and we're going to pray for revival. See, he was preparing the way. The day came for their first ever prayer meeting and six people showed up. Honestly, I was worried that we might get six people at this conference, you know, and that's just me being real. So, but he persevered. Next week, he believed. He's like, man, we're going to see revival. Let's pray. Let's do it. God put this calling on my heart. And the following week, there was breakthrough. There was multiplication because 20 people showed up. Praise God. Once again, I was afraid 20 people were going to show up at this conference. But even in the midst of that, they kept persevering. They kept gathering people to pray. And at its peak, they had over 10,000 people praying every single day in New York City. That wave of prayer was, was, the fire of prayer was caught by different churches, different ministries. And at the height of this revival, check this out, 50,000 people came to faith every single week. Can you imagine that? 50,000 people coming to faith, not over the span of a decade, 
not over the span of even a year, but every single week. Why do we need revival? Because we need God to do what only God can do. If our programs, if our events, if our you know, agendas could, could bring people to faith in that kind of way, I believe we would have done it by now. But what we need instead are people who are weak enough, foolish enough to really believe that God is who he says he is and that he could do impossible things. And if God did it then, because he's no respecter of persons, of people, then how many of you know he can do it today? When we pray, we shape the course of human history. When we pray, the earth shakes, amen? E.M. Bounds, he's this old school pastor on prayer. This is what he says, that the story, the history, well, I don't have it written, so I'm trying to go off, you know, my mind, right? The history of every great achievement is the story of answered prayers. Everything God has done on this earth is with his people who would cry out to him, and he couldn't help but respond. And if God is no respecter of people, once again, then if we gather in his name, if we're willing to pray, whether it's 10,000, 10, 5, whatever, if we're willing to pray, then I believe God can still do it today. So even the, the, the theme of can't stop, won't stop, you know, the verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says this, pray without ceasing. Pray continually. And I remember when I would read that verse and I would get convicted. Like, I don't even think I do anything continually, you know? I don't know if I know how to do anything without ceasing, but yet God is asking me to pray without ceasing, and I'm wondering, can I actually do that in my striving, in my performing? And God said this to me. He said, Sam, you have it twisted. You made that verse about pray with continually, pray without ceasing about your part of it, Just, but, but think about my part. So check this out. If we pray continually, that means God hears us continually. Does that make sense? If we pray without ceasing, that means God answers without ceasing. So it's no longer about my performance, but his willingness to hear me whenever I come to him. And that shifted it from performance, religion, duty, to intimacy. You hear me every single time. And this whole idea of can't stop, won't stop, long after this event is over, Man, I can't stop praying because he listens to me every single time. I won't stop praying because when I pray, things start to happen. Amen? So the whole message and title of, of tonight is why I can't stop and why I won't stop. And I believe I'm supposed to speak this to you so that you would catch it and that would be the cry of your heart too. I can't stop either. I won't stop either. So for me, the whole thing about revival started when uh, my family started going to this charismatic church, and, and they wanted to go there because the church was only about five minutes away, and they had a big youth group, so they wanted me to go. And up until that point, I've never been to a ca charismatic church or anything like that. And I was in the eighth grade when we went, and, and on Sunday, it was Easter Sunday, and we had the high school students and the junior high students together. The, you know, the sermon was preached, and it was prayer time, and I heard people praying in tongues for the first time. As soon as I heard that, my head lifted up. I'm like, what did my parents do? <laughs> Why did they bring me here? But that's when I started getting exposed to the things of God. So during that time, we had these crazy prophetic people come from Africa, from California, and all these different things. I remember one time, this pastor from Uganda, 
His testimony is that he was in the middle of a 40-day fast and God told him to go to this Korean church in New Jersey. So he showed up and there was this guy in my youth group who was in juvie. He was wearing a cast because he punched a wall with a fractured wrist and God healed him on the spot and he became like an evangelist in his high school. I remember one time this, this pastor from North Carolina, he's like a king from Africa, like literally, and, and right? right? Just because you think, you know, anyways, he's a literal king from like one of the tribes of Africa and he's a pastor and he called the senior pastor of my church who is a first generation Korean man and he said, hey, God told me to go to your church because you have been praying for revival and he told me to go and be a part of it. So this guy shows up and he's preaching. The, the sanctuary was packed. And this guy would preach and all of, a, all of a sudden he would stop and call people out by name. Right? So he had this amazing word of knowledge, prophetic gift. And I was so young and I was never exposed to that. I saw him do it. And the first thought I had in my mind is this is fake. Like this isn't real. You know, like Google didn't exist then. Right? I'm exposing how old I am, right? So, but like he met people. Right, whatever. And then he was doing these things. He would call someone out. They'll come up. He'll pray for them. They'll get knocked out. They'll put a blanket over him. And he'll continue preaching like that just didn't happen, you know? And I was like, what is this? I'm like, this is fake. And the next thought I had is, if this is real, he'll call my family out. Then he's preaching and he stops. As soon as I had that thought, he says, is there a Wan family here? I went white. I'm like, oh my gosh, God is real. But I was so afraid I didn't go up. My parents went up, and, th and there was this other family, another Wan family that went up too. And there's this kind of confusion. Thank God he didn't say Lee family or Kim family, right? <laughs> Half the church would have came up. But Wan family, and my parents go up, another family goes up. And when I said the other family go up, I'm like, it's their family. There's no way it's my family because this isn't real. And then they're trying to figure out who it is. And the pastor goes, you know, which one family is it? And he says, the family that just started coming to this church. That's when I hid under the pews, right? Because that was my family. <laughs> so we would have these kind of experiences. And, and I was exposed to these different things. I had these amazing pastors come. And every single one of them would prophesy the same exact thing, which is revival is coming to this region. Revival is coming to this region. Amen. Last night, I had, we, I don't want to say I, we all had, at least in my opinion, opinion, one of the most holy, most powerful moments ever when all of us were silent, simply in awe of his presence, right? Some people told me it was five minutes. Some people said it was 10 minutes. Other people told me it felt like 30 minutes, right? I don't really know how long it was, but yet in the middle of it, you know, I, I was kind of nervous to speak because it was so holy. But I spoke because God said, Sam, speak something right now. Speak the thing you're seeing and hearing. So I spoke it. And the thing I spoke was all aboard. Because I heard the rattling of a train coming by. And I saw a, a, it was so dark that we couldn't see anything. But around the corner was coming a train with lights bright into my face. And I heard the voice say, all aboard. But check this out. Right? I didn't talk to any of our volunteers or anything like that, but my man, Reno, who I just met this weekend, in that moment of silence, and I'm just sharing it on his behalf, he said that in that time, he saw this man walking around this very sanctuary. He was dressed in some weird clothes, and he's like, am I making this up? 
like, what is this? And he was going around encouraging people, touching people, ministering to people, and everything like that. But after I said what I said, he realized that's the train conductor. And he's calling us to be on board. Like I said, revival is coming, amen? Anyone with faith to believe that revival is indeed coming, amen? And the reason why we're doing what we're doing, contending for what we're contending, and, and just plowing and being persistent is because I saw the glimpse of revival with my own eyes. I heard the promises of revival with my own ears. I saw people get out of wheelchairs. I saw a woman who was in some swimming accident when she was a little girl in the countryside of Korea, right? It's like, it's like a really long testimony, you know? And she couldn't hear for years and yet God healed her in a moment and she could start to hear. I was seeing all these different things. I saw my friends who were doing drugs and, and different things, giving their lives, surrendering their lives to serve Jesus. And as I was watching that, I knew I could no longer stand on the sidelines wondering if I had a role or not. Because here's the thing. Many are called, but few are chosen. Have you ever wondered what that really means? Because I don't, right? So I'm going to go with what I think it means. If it's not, forget it, right? But this is my conference, so whatever, you know. <laughs> Many are called, but few are chosen. How do you be chosen? I think it's simply by saying, God, choose me. That's all you have to do. Just show up and say yes, and God will choose you. Because the invitation went out to every single people, the people that you thought should have been at this wedding feast, but who showed up? The people who just simply showed up. They were the ones who were chosen. So the first point, I don't even think I have points, but I'm going to say I have points because it sounds professional, right? So my first point of why I can't quit, or, or what's, my, what's this called? Why I can't stop, right? Why I won't stop is because many are called, but few are chosen. And I've been chosen because I said yes. Who are the ones in this place that will say yes to Jesus no matter what, what it costs you? This is what I think being chosen looks like. Moses, right, Will talked about him just a moment before. Moses was called before the foundations of the earth. But I believe he was chosen in the wilderness. David was called before the beginning of time, but he was chosen when he was in a pasture by himself. It's in those places where you're so hurt, so rejected, so disappointed, where only thing you could do is pray, God, why did I do this? Why did this happen? I don't even know what I'm doing. If you look in the book of Acts, it summarizes Moses' 40 years in the wilderness as simply this. He got married and had some kids. Like, that's it, right? 40 years, and that's all you have to say. But it was in that place where Moses became chosen. So back to what I experienced and I saw at that church, I just wanted to be a part of it. Everyone else was on board. All these prophetic words were given, and, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into it, but I saw that and I said, yes, I want to give my life to these very things. But long story short, drama happened, politics happened, all these different things happened, and the church split in like the weirdest way multiple times. And all those promises disappeared in a moment before my eyes. And if I'm honest, I was scarred. I was broken. I was disappointed. I didn't know what to do with all these promises. Years later, after seminary and all these different things, and I'm just kind of going fast for the sake of time. I remember sitting in the middle of a Starbucks, and I was just hanging out with the Lord, and I just simply asked him, Jesus, what happened to all those prophetic words about revival 
over the region, over that church. Because I thought I was going to grow, grow up in that church and die in that church. God said, revival's coming. Man, I'm set for life. I'm going to be a part of a movement of God. We're going to change the world. Man, this is amazing. And in a moment, that was gone. And I said, God, what happened to those promises then? Was it hype? Did we sin too much? Was that guy not even really a king? You know, like, I'm just having all these weird thoughts. You know? Did he use Google? Like, you know what I mean? And this is what God said to me. He said, Sam, those promises had nothing to do with your church. Those promises had nothing to do with how special your leaders were. In fact, the promises I had for revival wasn't for your church, your leaders, or anything like that. That promise for revival were for the people who are lost in this region that still don't know me yet. And because they're still lost, because my heart still aches for them, because I want them to myself, these promises are still available because it wasn't tied to a ministry, a leader, or a church, but to a region that I love. And in that moment, I didn't know if I was allowed to do this, if it was legal to do this. And I was like, um, I think Hunger Games had just came out, right? So I was like, you know, I give tribute or whatever the thing is, right? I'm like, God, if you're just simply looking for someone to say yes to these promises, then God, I'll say yes. If you're simply looking for someone who will still believe in these promises, then I'll say yes. Can I have them? And from that place, that's how our ministry was birthed. Not because I'm some visionary leader or, or some strategic guy or whatever, but I saw it with my own eyes. I heard it with my own ears. I saw what God can do. And yet I wanted to see that because I knew and believed it was still true today. Revival is something only God can do. And yet the reason why he's calling us isn't because of our ability, but his ability. Amen. He calls us to do, do the impossible, not so that we would strive, perform, strategize, but to keep us dependent on him. Jesus says in John 15 that the vine and the branches have to be together. That he is the vine. We are the branches. He even says that we could do nothing apart from him. The reason why he calls us to do impossible things is because he wants to do it through us. So my second point, which isn't really a second point, the reason why I can't stop and I won't stop is because the spirit that rose Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in me and lives in you. In other words, if nothing is impossible for God, then it's in our DNA as believers, as sons and daughters of God, to see impossibilities bow at the name of Jesus. For Jesus teaches us to pray. And he says, even the faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Right? Matthew chapter 6, he teaches what to pray. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's not telling us to pray these things because he doesn't want to do it unless we pray, pray loud enough. He's not telling us to pray so that we could be spiritually busy and preoccupied. But he wants us to pray because he's wanting to partner with his sons and daughters who will take on his heart to do the impossible thing. And because I know who he is, because I know what the word says, then I want to have that kind of faith to believe for impossible things. And yet, because it's impossible, I stick close to him. I said this in the first session I preached that my strength isn't in my ability to stand tall, but in how quickly I fall to my knees. Because he's the source. He's the God of the impossible. I'm just the vessel. 
Sometimes God speaks to you through, through fortune cookies. Amen? Right? Anyone else? Like, I feel like God speaks to me through the weather. Right? God speaks to me through the number of texts I have. I'm like kind of weird. But I remember one time I was uh, over one of my friends as we got Chinese food. And, and I opened up a, a fortune cookie. And, and the fortune said this. The, youth, the, the usefulness of a cup is in its emptiness. Say it again because it's profound, right? God be speaking through some fortune cookies, amen? The usefulness of a cup is in its emptiness. In the same way, the usefulness of a vessel is being emptied and in the hand of God. I want to be used for impossible things. Another reason why I can't stop and won't stop is because I believe a nation can be changed, amen? I think Danny said it the first night, where our destination might be heaven, but our destiny is heaven on earth, amen? I don't want a survivor mentality Christianity where all I'm trying to do is, not, is just be a good person, a moral person, have the right theology until either Jesus comes back or I die. But Jesus didn't call us to survive. He called us to win cities, amen? To disciple nations, to change the world. And because I believe he can do it, then I want to say yes to that very thing. Another reason why I can't stop is because he has promised with his lips, and I won't stop because he hasn't fulfilled it with his hands yet. What does that mean? When I, whenever I'm discouraged, I go to these two verses in the Bible. The first one is from Joshua, right near the end of his life. Joshua chapter 21, verse 45. And it says this, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one of them was fulfilled. I want to read that again because this is the faithfulness of God. This is the goodness of God. Who failed? The Israelites. But what didn't? His promises. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. So whenever I get discouraged, I go to that verse because I say, God, you're not just a promise giver, you're a promise keeper. The next verse I go to is found in 2 Chronicles 6, verse 4. And this is after the temple was built. David had this vision. Solomon fulfilled it. And as they dedicated it, the presence of God came and it was powerful. And this is the praise he said to God himself. He says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hands has fulfilled what he has promised with his mouth to my father David. So once again, why can't I stop? Because he has promised with his lips. I'm not, why will I, well, my grammar's bad right now, right? The reason why I won't stop, because I haven't seen him fulfill it with his hands yet. But I know that he will, Amen. I can't stop because he has brought me too far. And I won't stop because I know there's still so much more ahead. You know that in God there's always more. Amen. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus, I mean, Jesus says some radical things. Amen. I mean, I say this all the time wherever I go, and yet he still hasn't struck me down. So I think there's anointing when I say it. But God is weird. He says radical things. He says things like, are you sure, Jesus? And John chapter 14, verse 12 is one of those verses where you're like, Jesus, are you sure? Because he says this, that you will do greater things than these. 
because I'm going to the Father and I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Right? Don't you want to ask Jesus, are you sure? Like, do you really mean it? But how many of you know God says what he means and he means what he says? And if he says that we're going to do greater things than the Son of God himself, obviously not by our strength, then that means there's so much more ahead. He's brought me too far. I can't stop now and I won't stop because there's so much more ahead. Once again, in the Old Testament, after they come to the promised land, it says about Caleb that he's 80 years old. He's mad old, but he has vision and strength that any young man. And he had this thing in his heart that says, I still want more. That's why I can't stop. That's why I will not stop. I can't stop because a generation hangs in the balance. And I won't stop because I know there's a purpose on this generation. Amen. And I believe the purpose on this very generation is to usher in Jesus' return. To usher in Jesus' return. Recently, I read this thing that blew my mind and broke my heart. Check this out. Because of all the scientific uh, advances that we've had in medicine and health and, and all these different things, life expectancy has shot through the roof. Amen? Right? Like, we're, we're projected to live longer than any other generation before, except this very generation. Why? Because the suicide rate and drug rates are so high that the life expectancy of this generation is actually going backwards. I can't stop because a generation hangs in the balance of what God wants to do. I won't stop because I believe in this generation. I'll lay my life down for this generation because I believe we're the ones that are going to see revival with our own very eyes. I mean, look throughout scripture. Check this out. Every time God is about to raise up the next leader and God's about to do a mighty move, how does the enemy respond by killing all the babies? If you don't believe me, I'll prove it to you. I don't want to get into the topic of abortion and everything like that, but, but how can we not see the enemy's attack on the purposes of a generation? When God was about to raise up Moses, what did Pharaoh do? Kill all the Hebrew boys. When Jesus was about to be born, what did the king do? I can't remember his name, so I'm going to just call him king, right? What did the king do? He killed all the babies under the age of two. We know how dangerous a generation is when the enemy's tactic is genocide. Why is that? Why does God, the enemy hate us so much that he's willing to take us out as babies? Because he would rather kill what's in a seed than fight it when it's full grown. I don't even know what I said, so I can't even say it again, right? I'm just flowing right now, bro. Just watch the YouTube video later, right? Like I said, I'm not trying to be polished. I'm just trying to display my heart out. I can't stop because, like I said, a generation hangs in the balance, and I won't stop because I believe in this generation. I can't stop because there are still those who don't know him yet, and I won't stop until the lamb that was slain received the full rewards of his suffering. There's a group of radical missionaries known as the Moravians, Maybe you heard of them or not, but that was their motto. May the lamb who was slain receive the rewards of his suffering. And they were radical missionaries. They were radical lovers of God, people who would give everything. There's even a story where they would go to different nations, like, like the, you know, 
Google it later, right? Just, Google, just type in Moravians, right? I don't know the name. But they would go to these islands and they would, had just such a conviction to preach to the slaves of these plantation owners. And they would go and try to evangelize and, and the slave owners would be like, yo, don't talk to my slaves. I don't want them knowing the gospel. Just get away. And yet, because they're called, they're so compelled to lay down their lives so that Jesus may receive his reward. You know what they did? They actually sold themselves to slavery so that they could be allowed to talk to their fellow slaves. And as they were shipped off in the ship, saying bye to their friends and family for the last time, what they would say is this, may the lamb who was slain receive the full rewards of his suffering. I can't stop. I won't stop because I want Jesus to receive the fullness of the rewards that he paid for by his precious blood. And I want you to know that you are the one that God wants to use. You might be here and you might be saying, Sam, you don't know my past though. You don't know what I struggle with right now. But my spiritual father said this to me one time. He said, Sam, the, the fact that you are disqualified to begin with is what qualifies you to be used by God. As I said, God didn't choose me because I was so strong. I'm so gifted. Maybe because I'm so good looking. Amen, right? <laughs> but he chose me because I was the weakest one he could find in the Northeast. By us living in this region, we literally have the nations in our backyard. We don't have to go to a mission trip, and I'm all for missions, don't get me wrong, but the nations are literally in our backyards if you live in New York City. I remember reading this in, in one of my missiology books when I was in seminary, and there's this uh, specific people who once again, it's not polished, right? Maybe I should have done some more research, right? But I literally got this message last night. All right, so uh, that, that was my excuse, okay? Anyways, one of these people groups is actually bigger in New York City than the actual origin country they're from. Isn't that wild? There's this missionary I know who was doing some work in Africa, and because of uh, his son's uh, health issue, they couldn't go there. But he actually found a community of that very people and he started witnessing to them. And because they're the influencers of back in their home country, because they're the ones who came here to make money, by influencing them, he's actually influencing that nation more than he could by living there. And that's because they're in New York City. Right? I want to see Jesus receive the full rewards of his suffering. I can't stop and won't stop because I live to hear him say, well done good and faithful servant. That's why I can't stop. That's why I won't stop. Because when I cross over into eternity, I want him to say, Sam, you've been faithful with everything I ever gave you. That's why I can't stop. That's why I won't stop, because I want him to say that to me face to face. Man, I want an actual vision of Jesus, amen? Anyone else want that? Like one of the things I pray for is that I see angels. I don't know if that's a weird prayer or whatever, right? But if I don't see Jesus in a vision on earth, right, then the first time I see him face to face, I wanted to say, well done, good and faithful 
That's why I want revival. Not because it was my bright idea. Oh, man, that's how I'm going to be successful. That's how I'm going to build this platform. That's how I'm going to get 20,000 followers on Instagram. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can. It's the same as my Venmo, okay? But I'm doing it. Those are the words I live for when I see him face to face. The reason why I can't stop and won't stop is because at the end of the day, his mercy wouldn't let me. His mercy wouldn't let me. Right, the theme of the conference is, I have to look at it because I might say, like, don't quit and something weird, right? The reason why I can't stop and I won't stop is, is because when I had those moments of maybe I should stop and I want to stop, right? And instead of can't stop, won't stop, it's, it's I should stop, I want to stop. He wouldn't let me. And I want to show a video real quick of how God wouldn't let me. Let that be accepted. And Jesus. Jesus name. Okay, so let me try this out. I'm practicing. Um, is there a, a, a Samuel from New York here at all? I think I tried this one. Samuel from New York, I just want to try it again. Oh, you are. You're Samuel from New York. Are you Korean? No, I'm from Korea. It's like one of my favorite nations. Um, <laughs> okay, I don't have anything else on that. Okay, so Samuel from New York. Yeah, I got your name. You're from Korea, but I see that. Um, that's awesome. I, I, I'm going to have you stand up for just a second. You came a long way to come here. Did you come here just for this? God bless you. That's awesome. I feel like it's significant that you do. I love revival. Look at this shirt. I love revival. Yes, you do. Uh, you are, are in a training zone right now that's also a very real thing that you're doing. God's given you a gathering anointing, and you, you have to be in leadership. You're leading some ministry. It's uh, teaching young people to pursue God, right? Is this true? And, uh, and God is so honored by what you're doing, and it is your, your building something that's going to be a prototype for many things you'll launch in your lifetime. And I feel like God is saying he's so proud of your effort and what you've done so far, and he's about to give you a next expansion of purpose. You're going to feel this year, sometimes it's going to hit you a blueprint strategy for your region to do greater level, level gatherings with worship and um, it's creative arts, worship in the arts, and with a prophetic edge. And God is going to give you, that'll make, that should make sense too. And, uh, and he's going to give you a gathering and it's not just for the Korean community. I think you've been doing it across, not just Korean community, but it's a larger community than just Korean community. And God is saying, you go by Sam? Okay, so you know you're saying, you know what I'm saying? I've given you my voice, and I'm going to speak through you to a region and activate something that's in the young people and teach them not only their God pursuit, but their prophetic and their creative pursuit and their worship encounter with God. So I bless you right now. I just release over your impartation to hear God in a powerful, powerful way in this meeting beyond what I've said for a blueprint to come down to give you the faith and the courage to risk it all for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. That's cool. You know him? He's cool. That's, what's your ministry called? 
No, it's not. Pursue. <laughs> I mean, I show that video not to say, yo, look at me, check me out. But I, I mean, that moment was super holy for us. I mean, I was there with Kevin, and to be honest, I don't even know why we went to this conference in Atlanta. And, and I've seen Sean Bowles before, if you don't know who he is. I sent that to one of my um, reformed friends, and he said, bro, he definitely found you on Facebook, right? <laughs> I unfriended him. No, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> but in that moment, Sean Bowles, he's this prophetic guy, and he like does this, and it's one of the holiest moments whenever he does it. But because I've seen him do it before, he's like, I'm going to give some prophetic words. And you could ask Kevin. He literally sat next to me. I said, oh, he's got the prophetic words? I literally took my phone out. I opened Yelp, and I was trying to find a place to eat afterwards. I'm like trying to find out what. And that's why it took me so long to stand up, because I'm like, oh, man, where should we go to eat? He's like, Samuel, is there a Samuel here? I'm like, I'm a Samuel, right? I say that because I wasn't like fasting, praying, like, oh, my gosh, God's going to speak to me. But I think God spoke to me in that way, and I think someone needs to hear this. Because I was not trying. Because I wasn't striving. I had a couple of my friends be like, bro, I'm so jealous. I wish he called me out. I'm like, bro, I kind of wish he did it. Because if I'm honest, in that season, I wanted to quit. He said I had a gathering anointing. We were gathering seven people. After I got that word, I was gathering eight people. And I was like, what kind of gathering anointing is this? He must have meant a small gathering. I think he meant small group anointing, you know? Because I was so discouraged. I want to stop so badly because things aren't going the way I want them to. It's so hard. I don't know what I'm doing. I still don't. And in that moment, I wanted to quit. I want you to know it was the mercy of God that he had to call me out in a, in a crowd of people to say, Sam, I don't want you to quit. I won't let you quit. Even when you want to stop and throw in the towel, I won't let you quit because I've chosen you for revival. Why did he choose you? Once again, because I was the weakest person he could find in all of New York City. I won't stop because he won't let me. There's a song by Sean Mendez called In My Blood. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know what that song's about. But I love the line that says, sometimes I feel like giving up. I'm like, bro, me too. <laughs> but I just can't. Oh, word. <laughs> it isn't in my blood. Yo, my blood too. Right? Because God gave me this word. I was pumping that song all morning in my car coming to the conference. Right? And because God let me through that place, because my greatest temptation these last five years was to throw in the towel. It was to quit, if I'm honest. Even this conference, I was ready to shut it down. Right? My brother Will, he, he like texted me a couple months ago. He's like, bro, I have this important meeting that I might not be able to come. I'm like, Danny, shut it down right now. <laughs> shut it down right now. He can't come. Right? Even this conference, I was like, let's not do this thing. 
But God won't let me quit. And I want to impart that to this group that you would be the ones where God won't let you quit. I'm in a place right now where I would rather die than quit. I would rather die than quit. I can't stop. I won't stop for all these reasons because I would rather die than quit now. Because you know what happens when you fail in faith? It's not a failure, it's a testimony. I'd rather die than quit now. I can't stop as long as there's breath in my lungs. And I won't stop until my final breath. I can't stop as long as there's breath in my lungs. And I won't stop until my final breath. And I believe my assignment tonight was to call a region to commit with me, commit with our team, not because we're the ones that are whatever, but to call and gather a region to say, will you be the ones who can't stop too? that you will be the ones that won't stop too, because this is a pursuit that lasts one day longer than a lifetime. As long as there's breath in my lungs, I can't stop. And until my final breath, I won't stop. And when I heard all those promises about revival in my teenage years, the prayer that marked my life was God use me. I would go to the secret place. No one else was there. Before ever, anyone ever handed me a microphone, I would pray, God use me. God, if you can use anyone, then you can use me. And I'll pray these prayers, and that's the prayer that marked my life. But I believe I'm supposed to call a region tonight to pray the prayer of God, use us. Because all my life, I thought God was looking for somebody to use. But I'm only starting to learn. He's not looking for somebody to use. He's looking for his body, which is us to use. And only together will we see revival. The revival we're believing for is that every church on every corner is filled to capacity because it's what God is doing in an entire region. And the only way we can see that is if we do it together. I can't stop. I won't stop. And I got this phrase so strongly in worship. And it's, it's that... If you don't quit, you, you win. If you don't quit, you win. So tonight, I want to get on my knees before the Lord and before the region I'm called to. Before the region God has called me to. Before the region that God loves and to ask, will you lay your lives down with me 
so that we could see Jesus do what only he can do. Because I can't stop. I won't stop. What about you? And if that's you, I want to ask you to join me up here to get on your knees so that we together can see God do what only he can do. So if you're coming, just start lifting your voices. Let's start crying out for revival together. Let's come all the way to the front. Don't be shy. Don't be passive. Come all the way to the front. Because God is calling a region tonight that we would lay down our lives together. He's not looking for somebody to use. He's looking for his body. So come on, lift your voices all over this room. Tell him that you can't stop too, that you won't stop either. Come on, start lifting your voices. Let's cry out for revival. Second Chronicles 7.14 says that if my people would humble themselves, will seek my face and repent, then I will come heal the land. God, our land needs healing that only you have. So God, here we are, laying down our lives, not just representing our churches or our ministries alone, but as your body, as your church. And we'll cry out for that. <laughs> 